Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It is episode 114. It is Tuesday, November 15th. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me, as always, from Ohio is Jerry Blevins. And we got some off-season talk for you guys today. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm grand. You are rocking a, was that, Navy cardigan? A little Navy cardigan. That's lovely. Um, It's finally cold out. I it, it's cold. It's cold in my office. I'm in the basement of my home, mm. and uh, it's been so nice because it's nice and cool all the time. My office is down here. Uh, it's freezing today, and I'm <laughs> rocking a t-shirt because I've been doing you know chores around the house. I came down to to get work going. Uh, came unprepared. I need you worked my up a sweat get. though. <laughs> came in hot. That's what we it, like. I came in hot, and now I'm leaving cold. <laughs> I'm good oh, though, man. Boy. It's 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 officially the end phase of fall, so all the leaves are down. Everything's getting gray here, which is not great. But it did snow a little bit the other day, mm-hmm. so it was pretty to to look at. Uh, and the positive is, I, I'm pretty sure all the mosquitoes are dead. So that makes me happy. Thank God, mosquitoes and wasps gone for at least a few months. Yeah, we <laughs> haven't had doing, our New Jolly? York. I'm good, man. We haven't had our New York snow yet. It was like 70 degrees last week, which was wild. My wardrobe was not ready for it because I I made the switch to winter clothes and then it got warm again. So I was just ill-equipped for everything. Uh, but I'm good. Uh, the MLB off season is quiet at the beginning, like it always is. But I'm sure things will heat up probably today, honestly, with the Rule Five draft coming in soon. Um, there's a lot of Mets stuff to talk about. We have a fun episode for you guys today. We have a little off-season shopping list where we both selected five players we want the Mets to seek out in a worst-case scenario where we kind of get nobody back. So these would be the new faces we would like to see in town. Yeah, uh, 100% not connected to the New York Mets already, as yes. in uh, didn't wear our uniform last year. Exactly. And uh, this isn't us saying that we think the Mets aren't going to bring anybody back. In fact, I think they have they stand a pretty good shot to bring back a lot of the guys that were on the team last year. But it's always fun to speculate and see what new pieces could fit into the team. Uh, but there is a little bit of news cleanup we should do before we get it going. Uh, the biggest one is that Carlos Carrasco will once again be a New York Met in 2023. The Mets exercised his $14 million club option, which I'm very happy about because, one, we needed some starting pitching depth, and, two, I really like Carrasco as a human being, so I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, I think it, that was a, a good sign. Um, he's solid. He he pitched really well he kind of faded down the stretch but coming off of basically two years of near inactivity he I think he did great and I expect him to have an even better year this year yeah he falls behind Max Scherzer as the de facto two of this rotation right now uh, 29 starts last year 3.97 ERA I'm sure the Mets will upgrade further from there but it's very nice to have at least one spot kind of addressed in this rotation with a lot more work to get done from here yeah, I mean, that gives you Scherzer, you've got Carrasco, then you've got Peterson, McGill, Lucchese. Like Who are Joey. some other internals? I mean, I think you named pretty much all the five that we could field right now. That's about it. Yeah. So the depth is thin, admittedly. What is, where's Jordan Yamamoto? Jordan Yamamoto just elected minor league free agency, so he is got no it. longer part of the organization, alongside Adonis Medina, our guy, and Nick Plummer, who's also going to hit free agency as well. All a little right. bit sad good, to say. Good luck to them. Yeah, good luck to them. I agree. Uh, a guy who will not be part of the team next year uh, as of right now uh, is Michael Givens. The Mets traded for it last year's deadline. They rejected their side of the $4.5 million mutual option on his contract. So he is a free agent. I found this one a little bit surprising, but I'm sure the Mets have their plans for a bullpen. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be a completely clean slate for a bullpen that was admittedly really good last year uh, for the New York Mets. Shocked. I'm shocked by this one. Yeah. It seems like a, like a slam dunk four and a half million for a guy who actually pitched really well for the Mets, you know, a little shell shocked from the, his first couple of outings, but yeah. he settled in really well. Um, very affordable contract. They must've saw some things that they didn't like. Um, so I, again, I'm shocked again with all of the open spots in the bullpen uh pitching depth is key and that was a fairly cheap one for a guy that's pretty established so i don't know yeah yeah i mean in his last eight appearances of the year he had 11 and a third scoreless innings 10 strikeouts five walks it looked like he was really piecing things together 
And you mentioned the Mets bullpen depth. Um, it's top heavy right now, for sure. I mean, we have Edwin Diaz, thank goodness, at the top uh, with his new contract and Drew Smith right behind him. So solid eight, nine option there. But after that, it is thin. It is Steven Nagosik, Yohan Lopez, uh, John Curtis, who they just exercised the club option on. So good there. And then it's kind of just a lot of no names and minor it's league Curtis. guys. Curtis. There's a couple of S's there. Three S's, right? Uh, Four? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of not established guys uh, left, which is why, you know, if you throw Michael Givens in there, there's plenty of room for guys to still establish themselves, to have flexibility on moving guys in and out. Um, a little bit shocked. So I expect them to be very active on the market for relievers. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and I think they freed up some money to do that because a lot of the Edwin Diaz contract, as we found out, uh, is involving deferred payments. $26.5 million, to be exact, in deferred payments on Edwin Diaz's $102 million deal. Um, Mets Spoiler have done alert. this in the past. What's up? You and I also have chosen at least one reliever to talk about in our yes, selection. So. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to... Uh, because we, we kind of like matched up like one outfielder, one reliever, one starter, and then like the top two are like top heavy. Yeah, we um, didn't discuss this at all. No, nah. uh, which I think is kind of five. We said uh, we didn't want to like release it. I was like, if we overlap, we overlap. Yeah. Um, and I think I thought we have a pretty diverse group here. I agree. Uh, and we are going to get to that very soon, right after I tell you about today's sponsor, guys. BetterHelp. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy online. Uh, whether or not you've been in therapy personally, talking about a broader benefit, learning coping skills, self-empowerment, they're all very important human skills that you can attain with BetterHelp, guys. Everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. You don't even got to leave your bed if you're feeling comfortable there. They have all the benefits of in-person therapy, plus it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist, and if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. I know that seasonal depression might be coming on for some people with daylight savings. It's getting dark at 4 p.m. now. Never hurts to talk to somebody if you need to. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right person. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. You can learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Shea. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Shea. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode. Yes, Jerry. thank you. Uh, I did want to cover you. you I for, I jumped in front of you on the on the news. I forgive you, McNeil. Shout out to Silver hey, Slugger Award winner. Yeah. Big deal. Uh, super cool. One of the coolest trophies that you can get. Google it. It's literally a silver bat, a silver Louisville Slugger. Super cool. I want to get one. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure you can. One. There's auction houses. Guys have sold theirs Ooh, for sure. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean the uh, Mets. The Brewers and much sought after Mets, you know, front office president of baseball ops target David Stearns resigned from Brewers. It looks like he might take a year off, though. He wants to go be with his family, um, take a step back and and let I think it's smart for him. He's making his free agency known. Yep. So he's leaving, taking a step back and then teams can prepare to have him come in. Pretty genius. Um, but I imagine the Mets are going to be in contact with him. Be like, hey, man, how's how's uh, retirement treating you? You, you, uh, you got the itch yet? So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a pretty smart move. I think he's probably going to still have some sort of presence with the Brewers front office because that's a, that's a mind they really care for there. Um, also, another interesting front office free agent, the Astros fired their general manager after winning a World Series. Uh, there's a lot to that ownership group and front office that we assuredly don't know about. Uh, but one thing is for certain firing James click uh, is a very peculiar move. And I'm sure he's going to land with somebody else very, very soon. That was a pretty odd move, man. Did you, did you read up on it? Kind of the drama that went with it? I know that the relationship wasn't great uh, between ownership and the front office, but I did not think that after winning a world series, it would result in that. Yeah. The, uh, so there was a little bit of, you know, if you guys want to, share some tea here i'll, I'll, I'll give you some okay tea. okay all right the uh at the uh gm meetings um mr click was making it known that he was unhappy because mm. he won the world series had been there for a while two world series appearances 
and they offered him a one-year deal, like a yeah. big slap in the face. Mm-hmm. That is basically saying we don't want you around anymore. Uh, and so he was airing his grievances out, maybe on a minimal level, but letting the world know that he's upset. Uh, and they said, you know what? You're fired. Crazy. That's wild to me. A guy, <laughs> no loyalty. You know, that's pretty tough. I mean, I, I understand you're building a juggernaut, but this is how you start to crack the foundation a little bit because yeah, it's man. a less sought after place if you don't treat the guys that make your team better with respect. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about the Mets bullpen depth being thin. James Click is the guy that built that amazing Astros bullpen, basically from the ground up, full of newcomers and no names who had amazing seasons for the Astros behind that really good rotation. Shout out um, to Rafael Montero. Yeah, who just got a bag from the Astros. Good for him, dude. That's crazy. Good for him. He also was makes... fun, man. He's a good, funny guy. I always enjoyed uh, being next to him in the bullpen. Uh, and he's come into his own. He's nasty. Yeah, man. He had a great playoff run for the Astros. Big piece for them there. And it kind of makes uh, the Edwin Diaz contract looked a little bit more better because I think Montero's getting 15 mil a year for three years. Edwin's a little bit above that, so... I what like the price we got. What a world. What a world, Jerry. Good for Montero. Yeah, man. That's Jerry, incredible. Imagine if he came into the league right out. now. That's, a, that's another litmus test for a guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's he. how old is how old is he? He's he not, is going to be – so he's going to be 32 next season. He's 32 right now, but he just turned 32. Yeah, so he's going to be 32, 33, 34. Those are huge amounts for a guy in his you know early to mid-30s. Yeah, he looks like he figured something out, though. I'm happy he definitely that. did. His yeah. fastball is nasty, so – all right, well, Montero is off our shopping list, but we have <laughs> I, he, I wouldn't have picked guys. him anyway. No, uh, really? You know, I guys like that, that struggle in a Mets uniform, I yeah. don't normally bring them back. So Definitely fair. Definitely fair. All right, man, you ready to get going? Let's do it. All right, so we're starting with the big fish, and we have one person that we both agreed on as a not, – not a must for the Mets, but boy, would it be such a massive impact move – it is a guy attached to a qualifying offer, and if you haven't heard Jerry Blevins' thoughts on the qualifying offer, I'd love for you to hear them at some point. Um, but this guy is going to be sought after by so many teams, one of the best starting pitchers on the market, a left-hand fireballer who we haven't had a left-hand fireballer in quite a long time, and uh, we both put Carlos Rodon at the top of our lists. Yes. Can we can we talk about the qualifying offer on the front of that's, this? That's what I wanted to allude to. Go yeah, off. let's go Please. ahead and do that. Why don't you tell them the penalty? So yes. this is this is a system on its surface, the ownership side, MLB, the team, say it's designed to benefit a team losing a top end guy that they've had. So it's designed to say, like, you know, your guy, you've had him for six years and all of a sudden he leaves, but now it's the way it's shaped it penalizes a team for signing a guy that's deserving of a big contract. Yeah. And this is something that during the lockout, uh, the players association tried to at least, you know, amend or get rid of in some capacity. And it was counteracted with an international draft that was far less favorable to players. So this, and, and again, this shows kind of the, the overall overarching goodness that is the it is the union all the guys at the top end that are attached to these are a minimal number of guys but it affects everyone the international draft is a huge undertaking that would eliminate so many guys having the ability to negotiate on their own behalf versus just this is what you're worth or this is what you're getting you've you've been drafted they don't get to negotiate as free agents so this was a this was a selfless act uh, but this is a big deal for these guys that are attached to that because why don't you tell them what, like Carlos Rodon, what would happen if the Mets, regardless of how long the contract is, regardless of how much money they give them, if the Mets sign Carlos Rodon, what would they have to give the Giants? So for a few select teams at the top that have blown past the luxury tax in the past, including the Red Sox, the Mets, the Dodgers, Yankees, Phillies, and Padres, if they were to sign somebody attached to a qualifying offer like Carlos Rodon or, or some of the other marquee free agents, they would lose their second draft pick, their fifth round draft pick, and a million dollars in international bonus pool money, which is a very, very steep penalty to sign somebody who would be a high-impact player. 
One thing I also want to mention is that the teams that have not spent in the past but are preparing to spend this offseason, like the Baltimore Orioles or maybe the Chicago White Sox, maybe the Seattle Mariners, they're only getting penalized with a third round pick uh, because of the differentiation between luxury tax spending. Uh, so the Mets, who are going to be big time spenders pretty much every offseason, are going to have to deal with this qualifying offer penalty for the foreseeable future until things change. Yeah, and it's it's a it's impactful because there's certain guys out there that you know Carlos Rodon you're going to give a lengthy contract to, so it's yeah. something that you would think would be okay. But there's some guys out there attached that you're only going to get for a year or two that might not be worth all the capital that you're giving up. So it's definitely not only is it bad for the team that signs the the player it's also really bad for the player because that eliminates a lot of negotiating rights yes you know if the baltimore orioles are going against the mets and they really want carlos rodan and the mets are out they can just give him a low ball offer but if the mets are in that's a better market for everybody they may end up back at the at the orioles but his price is going to go up so it, it's a it's a big deal it's something that i I'm so opposed to, but the ownership has it. It's in. Maybe they'll address it moving forward, but uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, and it really hurts the guys on the middle to lower end. We saw Martin Perez got offered it, and he did take it from the Rangers, but guys like Jock Peterson, his market's going to go down a lot. Chris Bassett's going to have a tougher time now as well because the Mets attached it to him. Yeah, Chris Bassett's tough because he's older. You know, if you're going to give, you know, this is – he may not be – in a chance to have this kind of leverage ever again. Yeah. He asked if he takes the deal, he's back for a year. It's a great salary for one year, but then he's got to go back out there. He's a year older and he may not have be as good. Like this yeah. is, you know, this is a, a finite window to be a big league ball player. And he's already like, it just, it's, it, it's a hard pill for me to swallow. I agree. Um, but it is attached to Carlos Rodon, and I do think a lot of teams will look the other way because Carlos Rodon, for two years in a row now, has had a spectacular season uh, pitching for both the White Sox and the Giants. Last year it was for the Giants. 31 games started, a 2.88 ERA, 1.03 whip. His 33.4 strikeout percentage was first in MLB. His 6.2 F4 was second in MLB. Uh, this is a guy that's probably going to get a five-year, maybe even a six-year deal. Um he got the qualifying offer. He's most likely going to reject it. I think that was just sort of a process thing by the Giants, who also attached one to Jock Peterson. And when I think about Mets starting pitchers, I haven't remembered a really dominant left-handed pitcher we've had basically since Johan Santana. We had a couple nice years from Steven Matz, but it has been a while since we've seen a dominant southpaw in the blue and orange. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of Carlos Rodon. Uh, he's going, he's almost turning 30. He's going to be 30 for the entire next season. So yep. he's coming into his own and it took him a while to find his footing. So he really, really stepped into it in 2021. And there was big question marks surrounding him because he's had a ton of health issues yep. uh, in his young, early career. And now he's entering his prime. He showed up in 2021 with the White Sox and just dominated. And then he faded big time at the end of that season going yep. into his first year of free agency. So there was big question marks on, is this guy capable of sustaining it? The San Francisco Giants, and in all their wisdom, uh, signed him to a year with an option, um, basically incentivizing him if he pitches a lot, like he can get out of that option. If not, he's going to opt in and they'll get him for two years. Um, but he dominated. He, he had a... Uh, Six hits, six and six point six hits per nine. Yep, and six point two hits per nine. The last two years, that is incredibly low. Uh, home runs under one both years. Strikeouts of twelve last year and twelve point six in the year before. Just pure dominance, and he's figured himself out. I think he's figured out a routine. Whatever it is, he's found his stride, and I am a big fan. Plus. Like you said, it would be so nice to see a dominant lefty in this division with some of those big names coming in. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you said before with him fading in the 2021 season, because you're absolutely right. Uh, for those that forgot, uh, from July 24th to the end of the 2021 season, uh, Rodon made eight starts through just 36 innings in those starts, so not even averaging five innings per start. 
Last year, he was able to get to 178 innings, which is a career high for him. It's only the second time in his career. First time was 2016, where he threw over 150 innings. But down the stretch, he looked really good for a Giants team that admittedly wasn't really in contention for a playoff spot. Threw six shutout innings against the Phillies in September, six shutout against the Cardinals, was getting deeper into games later in the season, whereas in 2021, we kind of saw him fade a little bit like as early as late July. So I think that was He faded a ton at the end. His velo dropped like five or six miles per hour, which is why it was so hard for him to find a deal out there. And he had to settle for that one-year deal with an option from the Giants. And they got a steal for an entire year. And now he's a free agent. He's only going to be just about to turn 30. Um, He's worth the qualifying offer, in my opinion, uh, because you're going to give him a couple of years. And he's uh, right now he's a perennial Cy Young Award um, finalist, at least top, you know, top seven. Yeah, definitely. And he's kind of interesting because when you look at his baseball savant pitch mix, he kind of resembles like a, a two pitch pitcher. He's throw he throws his fastball on the slider the majority of the time. They combine for ninety five percent of the pitches he throws, um, but he's still able to make it work and he's able to get both righties and lefties out. And I mean, he's just very very alluring. The only problem is I think a lot a lot of teams are going to be in on Carlos Rodon, especially lower market teams as well. Yeah, I think I think he's a big time uh, attractive piece for a lot of guys, and the reason why he is he throws that fastball slider combo so much is because he throws his fastball ninety six plus every time, and yeah. his slider is filthy. Yeah. He's top top in uh, missing barrels. He's top in spin percentage on that fastball. The velocity chase rate, his strikeout rate is amazing. Uh, he's, he's a very, very, very good pitcher that's really coming into his own, um, found his stride and you're kind of getting him right as he's easing into it. It's like you have a chance again, it's always a risk, obviously, but you have a chance to get in on the ground floor, basically of a guy establishing himself as one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah, and I mean, in this scenario where you lose maybe DeGrom, Bassett, and Taiwan, this is a guy that could really help remedy that situation. Um, we do have some other star- starters we'll talk about in a little bit, but I think uh, we'll, we'll transition to our big bats now, if you want to do that. I'm for that, and I- I'll go first. We're going to okay. stay in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Uh, also attached to a qualifying offer is Jock Peterson. Now... Before the qualifying offer, this was my number one. Yeah. Because this guy is a left-handed power bat that the Mets have been dying for since they missed out on Kyle Schwarber. Um, He's only 30. He'll be 31. But he's really started to find his way. He's efficient. uh, Plays a decent outfield. um, But he's really found his way from the left side. Um, He's less of a free swinger as he was when he was yes. in LA. Uh, he strikes out far less And last year. He hit 274. Like he found out some things about himself. Uh, his on base percentage went up another 25%. Uh, his slugging percentage went up almost a hundred points and his OPS is great. And as he had the best OPS plus of his entire career at age 30. Uh, so he's kind of coming into his own. Um, He's got a World Series ring with the with the Braves, and uh, I think he's he's figured out who he is as well. Yeah, I mean the qualifying offer for Jock Peterson is devastating. It's a thing that I actually didn't think was going to happen until it did. Uh, and if you need any sort of semblance of a resume for why the Mets should want Jock Peterson, just go back to that May twenty fourth game, that thirteen to twelve late night Mets Giants game where he smacked three home runs and eight RBI. And basically stole a win away from the Mets with only his bat. Uh, This dude has serious pop. Uh, I mean, the Mets missed out big time on Schwarber last season. We talk about it basically every episode, about how much we wanted Kyle Schwarber in a Mets uniform. But you have a chance to rectify that here uh, with Jock Peterson, who crushed righties last year in 894 OPS and 21 of his 23 home runs came against right-handed pitchers. Uh, traditional stats love him and analytical stats love him too. He was 95th percentile or better in average exit velocity, barrel percentage, hard hit percentage. The dude smacks the ball when he hits it. 
But the big thing in the way of this now, and the reason why I opted for another hitter for my pick, is that qualifying offer penalty. Because I'm sure the Mets are going to be in on some QO guys, and I think you really can't afford to do more than one. And I'm not sure Jock Peterson will be their pick because they have a guy in Dan Vogelbach coming back who could be the left-handed power bat you're seeking. Yeah. Again, Vogelbach's not going to get be the power guy. He doesn't have the same kind of pop, doesn't have the same kind of approach. Um, but I think I think teams I, I imagine he's gonna end up signing back with the Giants because it's just a steep price. Yeah, man. There might be another team that signs him that doesn't have like the extreme penalty that the that the Mets do. Second, fifth in a million, that is a big penalty. Um but they need him so they I, I I'll I would be shocked, but understanding if they if they go after Peterson. I'd be very uh, happy about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Which yeah, I don't think so either. Um, it's just there's just too many question marks for for that, and but they do need him. Yeah, they could they could look for something on the trade market, but they need a left-handed power bat. They've needed it for a couple of years now, and uh, Jock Peterson fit the bill. As a short-term, you know, stopgap filler uh, until they find something in a young guy or a prospect coming up. Yeah. Uh, but that that yeah, the qualifying offer is tough for him. Well, one guy who did not get the qualifying offer, who I decided to do a little bit of research on on my Tuesday morning train ride, uh, is a guy that has been one of my favorite players for a very long time. He just won a World Series ring with the Houston Astros, albeit he had a pretty tough playoff run. Uh, a guy that I'm looking at is Trey Mancini. Now, this was a guy that the Mets were linked to at the 2022 trade deadline. Nothing ended up coming together, and the Orioles admittedly got a pretty good haul from the Astros uh, for the kind of player Mancini is. Uh, Mancini actually had one of his down years last year in 2022. Uh, I think I attribute it a little bit to uh, the trade because his numbers did dip after he was a Houston Astro, but 23 doubles, 18 home runs, 63 RBI, a 101 OPS plus. The numbers don't jump off the page, um, but here's the thing. So the Astros declined their side of the $10 million mutual option on Mancini, which was a little bit shocking to me, honestly, because he still profiles as a player that I think would do very well at Minute Maid Park with those Crawford boxes. Um, one of the things I love on Baseball Savant is their expected home run per stadium stat. And year in and year out, every single year, when you look at Trey Mancini's expected home runs, it is always an astronomical amount more if he were to play at City Field as his home ballpark. Last year, he had 18 home runs. If City Field was his home place, he would have had 28 home runs. And uh, we've been talking a long time for trying to get the Mets to get some sort of bat to really protect Pete Alonso. And I think at his best, uh, Trey Mancini can be that guy while also playing a decent first base and a decent outfield. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a little worried. I like Trey Mancini, the the player, the person. Um, there's just a lot of question marks. Uh, he faded big time down the stretch. Yep. But we've learned that that could be an issue. A lot of guys have a hard time when they get traded at the deadline, finding their stride, whatever the case may be. Sure. But uh, his peak in 2019, he hit 291 slugged 535 hit 35 home runs at 27 years old um and then opted out of the 2020 season the you know dealt with cancer all the all the above came back uh 2021 though he's been he's been down last year he hit 255 he slugged 432 hit 21 home runs this year he went down even further hit 239 and hit slugged 391 he only hit 18 home runs um, a lot of it was due to Houston, but even in Baltimore, he was down. He hit, yeah. he, he slugged only 404 in Baltimore. So I think that, uh, that left field indent might've, uh, done him in a little bit. Yeah. But still that's, that's, you don't only play at home. You go on the road, you play right. in Toronto, you play in Yankee stadium. Like you play in some very hitter friendly ballparks in the AL East. Um, that wall is short in Boston, but you can pepper that left field wall for doubles, which is a good slugging percentage. Uh, so there, there's decline and he's going to be 31. It's, it's a little bit scary for me, but, um, all of the intangibles are supposed to be off the charts for Mancini. I don't know him personally. Um, but I, I like him. I like the player. I like all of the other stuff. Um, I'm just worried a little bit 
on where he would fit in with this team. We already have a, a first baseman. We already have uh, both left and right DH. Our outfield could use a little bit of help, uh, mm-hmm. but he's very as average as it gets in the outfield. And I think without the shift, that would be a little bit scary. So I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about Mancini. Yeah, this is sort of uh, me kind of thinking the Mets might like spread the wealth and get a couple pieces for the lineup instead of one big bopper. Um, obviously, I'm a happy camper if Jock Peterson comes uh, comes down to New York. But in the event that the Mets don't want to go for those QO guys, I think Trey Mancini could make a lot of sense. And I don't think you'd have to sign him on for too long, especially because the Astros kind of set his value by rejecting that mutual option for $10 million. Um, so I think it's something that the Mets should keep their eye on, especially because this is a guy that they were interested in the past. Um, he's a big fastball hitter, slugged over 500 on fastballs last season. Uh, his fly ball percentage was a career high last year, 39.18% up from his career average. Uh, and, you know, I think the main thing they're looking for for their lineup is home runs. Uh, the Mets played small ball last year. It worked for a long time. It didn't work when it mattered most. And I think they got to attach some slugging to this lineup in some capacity. So Trey Mancini could be that guy. We'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't want to abandon a 101-win strategy, though. That's true. You know, I don't, I'm not all out on being able to put the ball in play, especially now that the um, that the shift is banned. Right, right. So, And, I mean, that, a that, lot of those guys will be back, too. Yeah, so that yeah. brings me – I wanted to go to my next outfield guy. Do it. And that's Andrew Benintendi. Mm. So Andrew Benintendi has become – a bat to ball skill kind of guy plays a very good outfield. Uh, he doesn't strike out very much. He just puts the ball in play. And now that you can't shift on him, I think it'll be even more. He'll be willing to, to try to pull the ball to drive the ball a little bit more. You know, he's, he's had 20 home runs in a season before uh, when he was only 22, but he's kind of, struggled and come back much you know but he's he's figured out that he's a contact guy that can play some great outfield and has some speed he's only going to be 28 years old which is incredible um he hit 250 last year he hit uh or i'm sorry he hit 304 this year he hit 276 the year before um just a guy coming into kind of like where nimmo was figuring out how to add power to that, but he's really figured out how to put the bat to the ball. And if we're going to keep that kind of philosophy, he fits right in. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the three or four batting average jumps off the page as a guy that would fit the Mets mold perfectly. Uh, the decline in home runs worries me a little bit, but if you're adding a power guy outside of Benintendi, then I love this move for sure, especially because he became a big uh, plate discipline improvement guy last year. You saw a 3.3 increase in his walk percentage, 7.6 decrease in out-of-zone swing percentage. Again, that's another thing that fits into the Mets lineup mold kind of perfectly. Uh, he's got experience playing center field. He can play pretty much every outfield position, primary left fielder. Uh, and, you know, if this is a, a Mets team that is seeing Brandon Nimmo out the door on some Albatross contract from another team, a guy that could, you know, cover up that hole pretty well is Andrew Benintendi. So if you're if you're working to address that, I definitely agree that this is a, a, an avenue the Mets might look towards. Yeah, plus you're you're catching him on the low end of his of his home runs. Like this was a huge drop. He's a he's a lefty hitter, which the Mets would like in a lineup, especially if they lose Nemo. So this is worst case scenario. Nemo's out the door. Sure, you've got Benintendi. Benintendi coming in. He hit uh, 17 home runs in 2021 in Kansas City, which is a huge ballpark. So he can do it. He hit 20, 16, 13, 17. Last year he only hit five. He, this was, it was kind of a weird anomaly. He went for straight contact. I think he could be a little bit in between on, on those, kind of be both, which is where, again, this is a very Nimmo-like. But he's entering his prime now. He's entering age 28 season. That's when guys really start to figure out their, their workout routines, their, what they need to be able to, to stay healthy, all of that. Guys come into their own now. He's got a gold glove. He won a gold glove in 2021, which obviously doesn't mean – pretty much jack shit because we saw (laughs) some of the guys on that list but he's a very very good outfielder um and he's an all-star i think this would be a buy low candidate uh for a guy that can have some power i think you could get him and you can get him for a while because he's he's young yeah he's going to turn 29 years old in 2023 
no qualifying offer attached to him. So he's probably gonna have a lot of suitors. Um, could probably see him get like a four year deal or something like that. And I wouldn't be opposed to it because the Mets, you know, that was, that was kind of their off season spending spree last year. Uh, Eduardo Escobar in two years, Canna on three, I believe Marte on four. It's yeah, nice to Marte have this on guy. four. He was like 38 when they signed yeah. him to a four year deal. And this would be nice <laughs> to get him at 28. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't mind that. Uh, I cheated a little bit for my outfielder, and I went with a not a free agent, but a trade candidate guy. It's the only trade guy on our list, so it's kind of hard you to cheated, do. Uh, not a little bit. You cheated oh, completely. Oh, come on. That is a on, complete come cheat. Come on. Jack's nodding. He agrees. I don't hate it, but that is 100% <laughs> cheating. I did it because I think that if even if it's not the Mets, I do think this guy is getting flipped this offseason. Um, he is a bopper. I've been trying to find boppers for our New York Mets lineup, and this guy's a premium bopper. Uh, he played for the Milwaukee Brewers last season, had arguably maybe his best season of his career, and he has bounced around a whole lot the past four years. He's played for four different teams in the past four years. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I think, is a very interesting piece to look at this offseason for the Mets. The Brewers have already made themselves known as, as sort of a partial seller, probably not on the high-end guys, but maybe like your Eric Lowers, your Adrian Hausers, and I do think Hunter Renfro as well, because he is projected to earn, uh, by MLB trade rumors, uh, $11.2 million through arbitration, and then he's going to turn into a free agent next year and finally get that deal he's been looking for. Uh, the guy hit 29 home runs with 23 doubles last year, a 126 OPS+. plus. Uh, he has an absolute cannon for an arm in the in right field, uh, and he's just turning 31 years old. So, if the Mets are still looking for a guy to protect Pete Alonso, it won't come from the left side, but I do think Hunter Renfro is definitely an interesting guy to take a look at. Uh, I do uh, agree with that because I-, I would argue that he had a better year in 2021 because mm. he hit 31 homers compared to 29. He hit 33 doubles compared to 23 doubles, and he hit four points higher at 259. Uh, on-base percentage was the same. Slugging was a little bit higher. OPS was higher. Uh, for some reason, the OPS plus was down. Maybe Boston compared to Milwaukee, but they're both Milwaukee's a, a tiny ballpark compared <laughs> compared to Boston, especially yes. the center. I don't understand it beyond me, but I, I like him as a player. Again, he's coming. In, he's going to be 31, a little bit older. You only got one year guaranteed before he hits free agency. Uh, I'm interested to see what that market would be if he were on the trading block, which I imagine he is. Um, but I like him as a player, man. Again, I love a good outfield arm. One of my favorite things to see uh, is guys getting thrown out from the outfield. It's one of my one of my favorite things on a baseball field is watching outfielders just unleash a cannon. <laughs> I loved it with Cespedes. You guys remember Josh Reddick had a very accurate yeah. arm. And uh, we haven't had a guy, you know, get thrown out at home in a while. Like Conforto used to do it all the time. Underrated, accurate arm. I agree. Uh, Marte's got a good arm, but we didn't really, nobody tries him anymore. Yeah. Um, I think Nimmo made threw a guy out at home this year, like a big Did one, really? if I recall. Or was it 2021? Might have been 2021. Yeah. But uh, sure. yeah, man, I, I like him as a player, but you're disqualified because this is cheating. I guess we'll just omit it then. Jack cut all this up. <laughs> no. It's over. Uh, you want to do our relievers? Yeah, you go first here. Okay, I'll go first. Um, this is a left-handed guy uh, who we've been sorely needing for a couple of seasons now. Uh, Joely Rodriguez is a free agent. I don't really understand his contract at all. Somebody explained it to me, and then I forgot everything that they said. But he is currently not on the team. So a guy that I would like to see added is a guy that did opt out of his $6.5 million player option with the Detroit Tigers uh, because he continues to get better. And that is Andrew Chafin, the lefty from Detroit and Oakland and the Cubs from the last two seasons. He had a spectacular 2022 quietly for a very bad team. 57 innings pitch, a 2.83 ERA, 1.17 whip, and 67 strikeouts. I personally think that if you have a 1-2-3 of Edwin Diaz, Drew Smith, and Andrew Chafin, I think you're in just as good of a spot as you were last year with your Diaz-Ottavino-Lugo combo. Uh, Chafin is not a lefty specialist. He can get guys from both sides of the plate out. He's really reinvented himself. Uh, He's going to turn 33 years old, but I do think this is the best version of him we've seen uh, thus far. And I think he's probably going to get himself a nice two-year deal, hopefully find someplace comfy, and I hope that's with the Mets. Uh, Yeah, this is a familiar name for Mets fans because he's been on the list before, Yep, and they missed out on him, and they missed him this year. They didn't have – they should have signed him because he had a great year. 
uh i don't know what it is about this front office but they hit lefties they hate lefties i don't understand it man I no mean, lefty power hitters no lefty bullpen guys you know don't trade for a lefty starter pretty i'm mad at them yeah a little bit That's they're kind of anti-jerry a little bit um lie. feels personal he's been he's been really really good since 2017 yeah. like really good um his age 27 season in arizona he had a three five then it went three one three seven uh, 2020, I don't count it for anybody. Uh, then he had a 1.8 <laughs> in 2021 and a 2.8 in 2022. Like the guy just knows how to pitch. Uh, that to me is sustainability guy in the bullpen that just knows what he can do and what he can't do. And uh, he's very good at his job. So it'll be interesting to see with you know what Montero did. Um, it's a different level. I think Montero's uh, on a on another level above with what they want to do with him in Houston. Um, but I like Chafin. I think it's a, a good name and a good name they could have had already. Yeah. I mean, the, the asking price for his services at the deadline must've been high. Cause I didn't really understand why the Tigers didn't trade not only him, but pretty much anybody on their roster. Uh, but he opts out of his player option. And I think it makes sense because he's probably going to get with this reliever market, a nice deal considering what Montero and Diaz got. Although, you know, like you said, they are on a different level. Uh, you had a different lefty on your list, though. I do. I have kind of a buy low candidate here. Uh, he goes by the name of Taylor Rogers. Mm. Now, Taylor Rogers had a real rough go of it um, when he went to San Diego. Um, he had kind of a rough go of it in general. He's fallen off a little bit since his peak in kind of 2018, mm. 2019 was his two good years. He had a two, six, three and a two, six, one in Minnesota. Um, and then he kind of started to fall apart. The, the pandemic year, he had a four again, I don't count that, but 2021, he had a three, three, not bad. And then he, he got traded over to the, the, the brewers and the Padres. And he just looked like he forgot what, to, how to pitch. He lost his confidence um and so he's a buy low candidate he's gonna be 32 years old uh he's a lefty he's he's got good stuff uh he throws a fastball in 94 95 96 and he throws a, a slider at 81 82 but this is the difference for me mm. in in 2018 and 2017 and 29 2018 2019 were his two best years he threw a curveball a lot. And, and then in 2020 and 20, it just disappeared. So when he became a two pitch pitcher, I think it threw him off. I would like to see him bring that curveball back. He threw it like 30% of the time in 2018, 35% of the time. And then 2019, he threw it about 18% of the time. And then it's gone. Uh, and then he became, he, he lost the confidence in his, his fastball got hit around a lot his slider was still good but he just he looked lost this year especially yeah. at the end and i think he's a bounce back candidate no i definitely agree i like this one a lot uh if the mets do decide to spend big elsewhere outside of like a lefty for the bullpen uh a couple things i know not everybody loves fielding independent pitching but i think it's it's worth noting here for a guy like rogers he had a 4.76 era but a 3.31 fips i mean kind of a huge differentiation there also a 1.18 whip which is a pretty respectable mark out of the bullpen and i think the big thing for him this year was just a lack of control he still had 84 strikeouts which was you know 59 in 2021 so that's a huge jump up there but 19 walks was almost a career high and 11 hit by pitches. So a lot of just unnecessary base runners there. Plus seven home runs was the most he had allowed since 2019. So I think just a couple of, you know, leaving bad pitches over the plate. I think the curveball thing you mentioned was pretty interesting there. Hopefully he could be some sort of reclamation project. But this is a guy you can get for cheaper than Chafin and could be just as effective. And he's never been a velocity guy, so you don't need to worry about that sort of aspect with him. If he loses any sort of velocity, that's not what he's built his success on uh, and he could be a very uh, crafty piece uh, for Mets bullpen and probably one of the better lefties we would have had since you know 2019 yeah I really trust what the the pitching development side uh, on the Mets have been able to do and I really think that he's still a very good pitcher again it's what have you done for me lately like yeah. the he ended so poorly like just his last you know month uh, it just he looked lost and I think that will 
carry into his free agency. And I think you could get him positive again. You might say, hey, man, you're our guy. We think you're great. We, we, we have a couple of tweaks. You sign here. We'll get you right back on track. Uh, and I think you can get it and get him low. Yeah, and I mean, I don't always love doing this, but the guy which traded twice in one season, first by the Twins and then by the Padres to the Brewers, that is probably a, a thing that, you know, weighs on you and you have to deal with as you're trying to have success at the big league level. Um, so a little bit, a little benefit of the doubt there for Taylor Rogers, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, again, it's it's hard. Most people struggle when they get traded over. Like, mm. it's it's a weird thing. Like you said, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You feel pressure that you didn't feel before. Whatever the case may be, uh, he ended poorly. And again, that, that can be a thing where you can take advantage of that if you like the peripherals. What What's beautiful about today's day and age, you can look at a guy's numbers and, and his all his analytics, and if they fit a bill, you can say, all right, we can make you better by right. just off of your pitch selection or location. Uh, we'll build your confidence. There's a lot of things that go into it. I, I like Taylor Rogers. I think it again, it's a buy low candidate if you go out and spend elsewhere. Yeah, and I think it enables you to spend more on your bullpen as well. Whereas a guy like Chafin, I don't think he's going to handcuff you or anything like that, but it is a, a definitely a steeper price. Um, we both got one more guy each. Both of them are starters. I'm very interested to hear uh, your your rationale for, for your guy because I'm, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not going to say so I'm perplexed. I, I'm going for another buy low guy. This is, a, this is a bounce back. My. Yeah pitcher that I selected a little further reach is Mike Clevenger. Now we saw him do the same thing. He kind of fell apart for the Padres there. Yeah. He he got traded over. He was cruising with the, the Indians at the time dealing. Uh, he came in the league at 25 in 2017. He was 26. He made 20 start 21 starts. He had a three, one, one in 2018. He made, th- uh, 32 starts he had a 3.02 in 2019 he made 21 starts and he had a 271 tommy john like he went into 2020 and then he he had a solid 2020 and then he got hurt though Mm. uh and it needed tommy john and the the padres traded for him and he got hurt uh he came back this year after a long long layoff and didn't look the same he threw 114 innings uh, he had a 4.33, uh, is, just didn't look great. But this is a long layoff. This is uh, a guy that hasn't pitched for a long time, coming off injury, and I think there is a lot of meat on the bone still. I think this guy is a fun pitcher to watch pitch. He's very fidgety and, and aggressive and has that kind of – he's always moving, ready to go. Uh, but I think he's got – uh, a lot of good pitching left. Uh, he just needs to get healthy completely and, yeah. and get comfortable with his his release point, all the all of the above. And this is one where he might not feel great uh, out there on the free agent market because he he showed so poorly coming out of it. Uh, and I think I still think he's a very good pitcher. Yeah, I think that this is uh, realistically a guy you could even get on like a one-year deal or something like that. Yeah, like a make-right deal. Yeah, and I mean, you you talk about hitting free agency at the worst time possible. Mike Clevenger was one of the best pitchers in the American League in 2019 and 2020, and that trade that the Padres made is aging very, very poorly. But I do agree that this guy, I don't think this guy's finished by any means. He did see a downtick in velocity, which is to be expected after Tommy John surgery. Yeah, not everybody's, you know... Uh, Justin Verlander. Yeah, exactly. And funny enough that you mentioned a guy like Justin Verlander who cannot get the qualifying offer this year because he got it last year. If the Mets do decide to spend big on guys like DeGrom and maybe even Verlander and, you know, put a huge AAV on those two guys to make uh, the rotation top heavy once again, a guy like Mike Clevenger at the back end makes a lot of sense because you're still going to have one more spot to fill uh, behind Cookie Carrasco. And he, he gives me a, a little Chris Bassett light with that funky delivery, uh, not relying so much on his overpowering velocity anymore and getting a little bit more crafty. Um, he did fade towards the end for the Padres, had a really bad playoff start in the NLCS in a game that they definitely could have won if he had given them some lineage. But, you know, he's only six years into his MLB career, and I think, you know, entering age 32, 
He's probably got a lot more left in the tank. And I think, once again, with guys that we mentioned before, like Ben Benintendi uh, and some of the bullpen arms, he's going to have some suitors on the lower end, guys that are maybe trying to compete this year, like your Baltimore Orioles that are just looking to add one extra piece. Uh, Clevenger could be very interesting. I think there is a market for him, for sure. I think I think the Mets can do something similar to what the Giants did uh, with Carlos Rodon. Give him yep. a year, and there's some type of, of player incentive Otherwise, the team can sign you back for cheaper if you don't reach whatever innings or whatever threshold that, that there is. It's a year with an option on both sides um, because it allow him to, if he reaches an amazing year, to get to free agency. But if he doesn't reach a certain plateau, the Mets get him again for another year. And a guy that could have, you know, even if this year is kind of rocky, could figure it out the year before. Either way, as long as he's pitching even at the level that he pitched in San Diego, it's a valuable level. Yeah. You know what I mean? He still he had a four three three. Um, I mean that's that's still a big league pitcher. It's a back end of a bull, uh, of a rotation kind of guy, an innings eater. Um, so I think the value is there, and it's nothing but upside. Yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. Um, for my last guy, my starting pitcher, uh, I want to start. By saying uh, I was a little shocked when Taiwan Walker didn't get a qualifying offer from the Mets. Me I was too. A, Me too. A little perplexed by it. Um, I do think that he had a good market even with a Q attached. Now that market's going to be even better. And a guy from the other New York team who I was also shocked that didn't get a qualifying offer, whose market is going to expand exponentially, I think now, is Jamison Tyone. Uh, Jamison Tyone has been a solid starting pitcher for the past two years, uh, dealt with injuries, dealt with cancer, obviously. Uh, last year threw 177 innings, his most since 2019, I believe. Uh, 2018, excuse me. Uh, had a 3.91 ERA, a 1.13 whip, 151 strikeouts. Didn't get the QO from the Yankees. I was a little shocked by that. Uh, he's turning 31 next year. Probably could get somewhere between a three to maybe even a five-year deal. I th- I place him and Taiwan Walker in a very similar class as sort of a middle-of-the-pack uh, starting rotation guy who, without that qualifying offer, could have a lot more suitors than originally expected. Um, he greatly incru- uh, improved his curveball between seasons, which is a kind of a new tertiary pitch for him as well. Uh, so he's expanding his arsenal. And, you know, this is a guy that also dealt with a decrease in velocity and figured out a way to succeed without it. And I think we kind of know the pitcher he is now. Uh, and I think he could be a huge benefit for this Mets team if they don't end up landing some big fish and want to go sort of middle of the pack to expand the length of their rotation. Uh, where I, I got, I like a guy like Clev for sure at the back end, but Tyo and I could realistically see as a three or four for this team, and I'd be pretty happy about it. Yeah, like you, I was very shocked that Taiwan Walker did not get a qualifying offer. I think that was a mistake because yeah. even if he, even if he agrees to it, you get Taiwan Walker for another year. Um, and I feel like the Yankees missed out on Tyone because I think he had a market as well. Um, good for both players. They don't have to worry about it. That's true. Uh, but Tyone is, it, he is interesting. He figured out kind of how to pitch without velocity and he figured it out pretty quick, which was pretty impressive. A lot of guys, he came in, he was the, um, oh, who's the, who's the pitcher with the Rays that he was uh, teammates with in Pittsburgh? Uh, Glasnow. Glasnow. Yeah. Him and Glasnow were like the two big, you know, heavy throwers from Pittsburgh that got traded, uh, throwing a hundred and throwing that curveball off of it. And then, you know, it didn't work out that way for Tyone, but he's figured out who he is and he's learned to pitch. He's not a devastating strikeout guy by any means, but he's still, a, he can get some strikeouts. Um, I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he could he can help any team that he comes into. He's made 29 starts in 2021 and 32 starts last year. That's so a lot he's of durable even after the injury. Uh, I, I like him. I think he's a, a good fit. I'm glad to see him on your list. Um, Jerry, do you want the list of guys that pitched uh, 32 starts for the Mets in 2022? <laughs> there is no list there is no list no there guy. is no list chris bassett started 30 games that was the high i mean if you're trying to find innings this is a guy you could really look at as a serious option for the mets um who dealt with a lot of starting pitcher injuries in recent times i think it, it makes a lot of sense i'm hoping the interest is there especially with no penalty coming to the mets if they do decide to sign him yeah that's a big one that's a big no penalty i think 
because of where they are in that threshold, I really do think the qualifying offer on guys is going, I think, I think Rodon is the only guy that they would be willing to do that for. Again, complete speculation on my part, but uh, Tyon without it, I mean, he's, he's a five pitch pitcher. He's yeah. a, a fastball slider curve cutter changeup guy. Like that is going to play at all times. He doesn't walk anybody. He's got an elite fastball spin, a great curveball. Uh, he's, he's a good, good pitcher. He's six, five, like, this is something that he's learned to take advantage of. Uh, just a good pitcher, man. Yeah, and I mean, Eovaldi got the qualifying offer. Tyler Anderson got it. Rodon we mentioned before. DeGrom we mentioned before. Um, besides Tyone, uh, the guys I view at the top of the starting pitcher market are Verlander, for obvious reasons, probably going to win the Cy Young. Definitely. Andrew Heaney had a nice resurgent year. I don't know how sustainable it is. And then I think Tyone's the top of the billing there for the guys without the Kilo. Maybe Tom on Walker as well. Um, but I think this is a guy that's going to have a huge competitive market, and I hope the Mets are involved in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's quality pitcher, man. He's durable. He's He throws a ton of pitches, knows what he's doing out there, uh, and he's been consistent. So I, I like him a lot. I think that would he's going to make any team better again uh, moving forward. So. Yankees have a Yankees have a tough offseason in front of them. What are they doing? Why did they not? I don't the know. Offer? I I texted my my good uh, ref guest friend Max Manis this morning. Shout out I was to ref guest again. If you ref haven't guess. seen ref guest, do it. It's a beautiful jam baseball. It's a lot of fun guessing baseball players. Um, I texted Max and I was like, I'm doing research for Tyone right now for Shea Station. Why did they not offer him the qualifying offer? And Max basically said they were afraid that he would take it, which was very shocking to me. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think you should. You should be excited if somebody took it. Like, yeah. I don't know. I remember when the qualifying offer was first a thing. Like, nobody took it. They all yep. rejected it, and it hurt some of their markets. And then the next year, I think Brett Anderson was the first guy to, to accept Anderson it. No, um, he accepted it. But, no, the first guy was – who was the lefty outfielder, went to the Astros? Brantley? No, the worst beard ever. He came from the Cardinals. Let's see. I'm I'm pulling up the history. It came from the Cardinals. He was with the Cardinals. Country boy. Oh, I gotta find this now. Hang on. Had a Let's great see. year with the Astros. Did anybody but, take it? Gosh. Oh, it's not it's not Reddick, right? No, no. From the Cardinals. <laughs> I play with Reddick in Oakland. Um Colby Rasmus. Colby Rasmus. Colby, Colby Rasmus, Rasmus, I think, was the very first guy to accept a qualifying yeah. offer. The first three were Colby Rasmus, Matt Weeders, and Brett Anderson. You're right about Anderson. Two out of three. Nice. Hey, Neil Walker got one with the Mets and he took it. Like that. That's right. That's awesome. Uh love Neil I'm gonna see Neil uh next week. I love Neil. We should get Me Neil. Me too. On the show. We're we're it's getting possible. our families together. Anyway. That's huge. Uh yeah, man. I, I think what were we talking about? I have no idea. Qualifying offer. Qualifying. Like I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But uh, I think Tyone. Tyone is going to have a huge market. I think he's a very good pitcher. I think the Mets missed out on Taiwan Walker because I think he's the cream of the crop. Mm. Uh, and then I think Tyone's right behind him, and I think they both would have rejected and still signed somewhere. Yeah, definitely agree. And uh, I think that's an episode, Jerry. I think so too, and I think it's a good one. It was a good one. I I like this one. One fourteen was it? I think one fourteen was a W. That was a W for sure. (laughs) I hope we hit on some of these. I think last year, I know I hit on Canna, and I think that was it because we did lineups last year. I don't. I I remember you had Schwarber in yours. I'd have to pull Uh, that up. I think we only hit on like two guys last year, though. So I'm hoping. I think you had Ottavino in some capacity. I feel like I uh, I owe to our fans to to say a positive word on. on uh uh not uh hold on bryce harper uh, mm. they get on me a lot for they get on you for being a bryce, bryce harper, harper. Fan. so i wanted to say <laughs> that i appreciate bryce harper before we go <laughs> <laughs> they get on you i made a bryce harper video recently they didn't like that it's just you know, how did it do of, though it did really well i mean there's yeah. a lot of animosity there but you know it gets the views baby all right all right okay, guys you had to pick uh, one guy from your side that, that the Mets signed that you think you obviously you really think they're going to get one guy from each list. Who do you think the most realistic? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, most realistic. I think my most realistic is probably Chafin. Mm-hmm. Chafin or maybe I would like to think Tyone, but I, I'll say Chafin. 
Okay. What about on my list? On your list? Well, it just logged me out, so I'm going to have to pull it up in a second. Um, Rodon, uh, Clevenger, Benintendi. And I think if Nimmo goes, Benintendi is a very real possibility because that's, that's a similar what profile. I think. Because I do think Nimmo is going to sign a mega huge deal somewhere. I hope it's here, but yeah, I, I think do, someone's going to give him back. I think he's going to sign a mega huge deal elsewhere. The more I think about it, the more yeah. I think that he's going. He's going to be sought after. He was kind of like also, um, also like a qualifying offer guy. Also a qualifying offer guy. Yeah. So to me, he's going to be like Zach Wheeler was. Like yeah. other teams see his potential more than his, you know. Hopefully we learn from our mistakes then. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, but I do think Benintendi on my list is easy. And then I do, I agree with you that Chafin is the guy. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think, think the Mets would be silly to not go get a lift. Rodon and Jock. <laughs> yeah. Rodon and Jock would be a massive offseason success, but that's a lot of penalty to pay. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, man. Hot right. stove. Hot stove. Hopefully it heats up. It's been so quiet. So quiet. Shout out to my relievers doing great things out Hell there. Hell yeah. The reliever market, baby. Yep. All right, guys, we'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, is that un- true? Unless there's breaking news, in which case we'll we'll hop on the mics and talk about that. Hopefully some fun trade signings happen, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who's to say? Um, okay. But we'll see you soon. All right. Let's go, Mets. Enjoy the cold weather. Break out your party. Looking good. Is that a Muggsy? His name is. Oh, I like it. It's from Gap, I think. Oh, I don't like the gap though, because that's not who owns the A's. Oh really? Yeah. I'll rip off the tag.